Hello, hello. Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am your host, Nicole, also known as Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you absolutely love. From business, travel, entrepreneurship, and of course, money, we chat all of these things and so much more on this show. And today's episode was such an amazing conversation that I had with a fellow entrepreneur and a good friend of mine, Angela. She moved her entire family from America to Spain and really has no plans of moving them back home. We dive into what it's like to move your entire family of five to a completely different country, business, entrepreneurship, travel with a family, and everything in between. This is an episode you are not going to want to miss, so let's dive right into it. Angela, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. In this episode, I am so, so looking forward to deep diving with Angela, chatting about traveling, leaving your home country, and moving across the world with a family, starting a business. So today we're going to chat all of these topics and more with Angela. Angela is a writer, mother, and CEO of Modern Moxie Media. Angela, welcome to the show. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to chat all of these topics with you today. So before we get into all the good stuff, why don't you tell us your story, where it all started, and where you are today? Okay. So... um. Let me see if I can give you the most condensed version that also has all of the good juicy tidbits inside. Um, so my husband and I both grew up um, in the same hometown. That's how we met. Um, and I had he had moved around a little bit when he was younger, but I had never left this like hundred mile radius my whole life. Um, was always really close to family and. Um, we ended up getting married there, having, you know, having all three of our kids in this little, you know, compact community, right? Um, in Texas, in the States. And my husband was working for in the restaurant industry. And we had three kids and COVID hit. And I feel like COVID for a lot of people was an avalanche that like, either you sunk or you swim, like you went one way or the other. Um, and for us with him being in the restaurant industry, it hit us really, really hard. Um, and he was, I mean, he was burning out before COVID, but then COVID hit and it was like a really strong burnout. Um, at the time I was home with all three kids and we had a newborn. My daughter was born actually two weeks after we went into lockdown. So I wasn't working. I was now taking care of a newborn and two kids that I was doing online schooling with. And he was working like 80 hours a week as a way to kind of come down from that. He started um, voice acting um, for fun. <laughs> as a way to kind of de-stress and, you know, whatever we both had done theater and this was a way for him to do that. Um, while, you know, while he was home and stuck at home, um, and he started doing well with it. And so he was able to surpass the income he was making in the restaurant industry that was stressing him out so much. He enjoyed it. He was able to quit the restaurant job that was literally sucking life out of him. Um, and then he was home with us. Um, 
And after a few months of doing that, he looked at me one night over like, okay, kids are asleep. We're having, you know, quiet, a quiet conversation without getting interrupted. And he was like, we could live anywhere. We could work from anywhere, live anywhere. What if we moved to Europe? And I choked on my wine and had like a full 48 hour panic attack. And I was like, no, never. Um, we could never do that. I, you know, I'm in this comfortable little box and I've always been in this comfortable little box. Um, within the next 24 hours, we had a handful of things just line up just right to make me go, you know what? That sounds fun and exciting. And also some of the stuff that we're dealing with here in the States, I'd rather not deal with anymore. Um, so we started looking up where, I mean, it's a big wide world and he could work from anywhere. And so where would we go? Um, and as luck would have it, both of us kind of went into our own separate corners as it, you know, kind of how we tell the story. And he looked up stuff that was important to him as a dad and a provider and a guy. Um, and I looked up stuff that was important to me as a mom and a woman and a wife and the same little area kept coming up. And so that's, that's where we landed this tiny little region in Spain in the South of Spain. And that's where we are now, um, with our three kids. And, um, it's been the biggest, scariest, (laughs) um, boldest thing that we've ever done, but I don't regret it for a second. So that's where we are. So cool. Oh my gosh. I love your story. Um, there's so much I want to touch on in that, but I think the first question that I have is, so there's a lot of nomads, especially since COVID. Um, but a lot, I think most nomads and a lot of people who are nomadic like myself as well, it's just one or two people who are moving and traveling. You have five of you in your family. So what were some of the challenges that you faced? Okay. Cats are, pets are a lot of work too. It's definitely like, that's not to be underrated. That's a lot of work and vaccinations. I've had a cat in the past too. Um, So what did that look like moving an entire family to a different continent um, in terms of travel, but also in terms of having your whole life and your family back in the States and they probably thought you were going to live there forever. What did that, some of the challenges that came with that look like? Um, so at first it was, it was easy to kind of sell the idea to the kids, to the kids. We're going to go live by the beach and it's going to be fun and we can go to the beach all the time and we can try all these new foods and we'll get to eat ice cream. You know, we have gelato everywhere. And so you can have gelato and we'll go to the beach and it'll be fun. And, um, but then behind the scenes, there was so much happening you know, we're like a duck on the water where like we seem super cool in front of the kids. And then both my husband and I were like paddling furiously trying to figure everything out. Um, There is a lot when it comes to, I mean, you know, this when it comes to moving abroad or or traveling, you've got to worry about passports. You've got to worry about um, visas. You've got to worry about, and because we knew that with a family, we wouldn't be, nomadic. We wouldn't be kind of all over. We would want to put down roots somewhere for at least 
a short time. Um, we needed to know what that would look like. What would school look like? What would um, the, you know, kind of our everyday schedule look like? Where would they go to be social? How would they be an extracurricular activity? So on top of all of the, where are we going to live? How are we going to find a house? We've never been to Europe before. Um, and then on top of that, then the added bonus of looking for all this, this stuff for the kiddos. Um, so there was a lot to go into that. Um, you know, you as an adult going to get a passport or getting a, um, a passport renewed or anything like that, super easy. Um, our passport <laughs> appointment with all three kids took us four hours because we had a, my daughter wasn't even two yet. And so, and they, you have to be super specific with how they take your picture so that it counts. And because she wasn't a baby, she had to sit and take the picture and she kept not looking in the right. And so the things that like you take for granted <laughs> as a person without kids traveling, we went through all of it. <laughs> we went through all of it. Um, and there's, there's a lot to it, but realistically, we just had to break down, okay, this is what our everyday looks like here. How do we keep it from being a jarring change for the kids? And so it was, you know, they go to school every day. Okay. We got to figure out school. They, you know, one of our kiddos was in extracurriculars. How do we, what do we do that's similar so that they have the same social experiences here. Um, so it was kind of trying to figure out how to match up what they're used to with new traditions, new experiences, new country um, in a way that, you know, made it comfortable, but different. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine the challenges that would come with that. You said, you know, you've never been to Europe. And so you have to find a good education and a good school that you trust for your kids to be in every day that is on par with your home country. And you've never been there. And I'm sure it's just like crazy amount of challenges. So how long have you now been in Spain and you saying all of this? And um, I guess what, yeah, what has kind of like worked itself out since you've been there that in the beginning it was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to navigate this. Yeah. So, um, the, we moved, um, January of 2022. So we've been here a little over a year now. Um, and you know, things are still kind of working themselves out. We're still figuring things out. Um, it's funny because we've had a few friends and family come and visit since we moved. And um, the longer we've lived here, the better places we can recommend to eat. Because, <laughs> like, you know, you the longer you're in a, a place, the more you get to know what's good, what's not. And um, but I think the schooling thing was really stressful. Um, we have a kiddo that um, our oldest has hearing loss in both ears and has a little bit of a speech delay. So we didn't want to throw, and on top of that, they're a little bit older. We didn't want to throw them directly into public school, which is what we were doing in the States because it's 90% Spanish speaking and our kids don't know Spanish. Um, so then it was, okay, what 
are the other options. You know, if we had moved to even another state in the United States, we would have put them in public school, then they would have flourished and they would have been fine. Um, but that was a big hunk of research for me was where to put them and how to find the right place for them here. Um, we ended up going with a an English speaking an English forward school um, for a little while to kind of get them acclimated. Now they're making friends here um, and we're working into transferring them into a public school system so they can get used to meeting people from Spain and speaking Spanish. And, um, but that made the transition a little bit easier for them. Um, They were very worried you know, as kids are, they, our boys were nine and six when we moved. Um, and they were very worried that nobody was going to understand them. And so we started them in an international school where, you know, some kids spoke English and some kids spoke Chinese and some kids spoke Russian and some kids spoke Spanish and, um, them realizing they weren't the only ones that didn't know the language, but also kids want to be friends. So it wasn't hard for them to make friends. And so that, I think that was the hardest part as a parent was seeing that fear in them. You know, it's it's scary as an adult to go to a place where you don't know how to communicate. But having to take on that pressure for your kids is a lot. So. Yeah, wow, well, I can only imagine. So I would love to chat about you and your family clearly left America for many different reasons. So mm-hmm. talk to me about the differences in the American culture and society when it comes to work and family and how that is different from what you have experienced in Spain. So I will say that the one of the reasons I was afraid to leave is because like I said, I'd always lived in this kind of hundred mile radius. Both of my grandparents were within 30, 45 minutes of me my whole life. Um, aunts, uncles, cousins, all of that. Um, and so I was afraid that we wouldn't have that sort of community of support coming to another country. Um, but realizing when we got here that you build your community and I'm, really that's that's everywhere and i was afraid of leaving what i the community that i know that i knew um with family but realizing that wherever you go you can build a community of support you can build a community of friendships um and it's funny because i feel like i learned that more from my kids than for myself um but the kind of the biggest thing the biggest shift for me has been the hustle, um, the hustle culture in in the states of like you always have to be busy, you always have to be doing something. If you're not doing something, you're lazy. If you're not moving, you're you know. If you're not stressed, then you're not a good mom. Um, and that was it was starting to take a toll on me, um, especially with three kids um, and coming here and everything kind of you know, a little bit more relaxed. I get a lot of tranquilla, tranquilla, be quiet. It's calm. It's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Um, and because I'm so used to that culture, that American culture of rush, 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 rush. Um, 
I used to, it's funny because before we moved abroad, um, I would help friends of mine with time blocking. Okay. So how to fit everything into your schedule. And I remember telling my friends with kids, it's important to leave white space in your schedule because something's going to come up and it's going to stress you out. And then if you, if you don't have any space, then it's just going to compact and stress you out. And here I feel like there's so much white, you know, there's so much breathing room that the, the space for where you could be stressed is so much less because there's so much more space to breathe. Um, it's not so rushed. There's a lot more of, um, you know, you don't have to work nine to five to get it all done. Um, you can do your stuff and when you're done, you're done and you can go to the beach. You can go to, um, you know, do whatever you need to do. Check off your boxes, but don't feel like you have to schedule every second of your day. Um, and I think that's been good for our kids too, is not having that super intense, we do this and then we do this and then we do this, um, and having more breathing room really has been the biggest, the biggest positive difference for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I was even going to ask about the hustle culture. And <laughs> I think, you know, it's very when you grow up in America or a very similar country to yeah. just that be ingrained in you, not know any different and just think, you know, this is my personality and this is who I am and this is just life. But it's very interesting to hear your perspective of when you move somewhere, you know, like Europe that is a bit more relaxed, uh, take it easy, that you really see the differences. And I'm sure you see the differences of, you know, this is not my personality. This is just the culture that I was always in. And so thinking it was part of your personality, but and and so do you find that you can be more productive in a Spanish culture because you do relax and you do have maybe more um, time to just think and to work when you want and not, like you said, not work eight hours a day just because it's ingrained in you that you have to work eight hours a day? Right. I, yeah. And there's still times, I mean, we've, we've been here a year, but there's still times when I feel like I'm not, you know, as... Somebody, I was a stay-at-home mom before we moved to Spain, and I've been freelancing here in Spain. Um, and when I'm done with my projects and I'm not doing housework, I feel like I'm not. Like sometimes I, I feel like, what am I? What am I missing? What am I not taking care of? Um, and that's something that I'm still learning because, again, that American culture was so very. If you're not constantly moving until your your head hits the pillow then you're doing something wrong. Um, and it got deep, you know, I've been a mom for 10 years. And so that thought process of you've got to constantly be moving or you're missing something. There's a ball that's in the air that you're, you're going to drop. Um, and so that it's, it's freeing, but it's also a little stressful sometimes because that's still kind of in the back of my mind. I know it'll go away eventually that little voice in the back of my mind. Like, what are you not accomplishing? Um, but it's, it, it's nice, but it's, I'm still learning. We're still, we're still getting there on that one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only imagine that would be like a many years to even potentially lifelong practice of having to undo all of these thoughts that you have been trained to think. And, you know, I, I'm, I feel you in that sense. Like, I think I have a very similar work ethic and sometimes I'm like, I just need to relax. I just need to listen to Angela. Um, so let's chat about your ties. Now, when you left the States, when you and your family left the States, you left behind a lot of the ties that were actually connecting you to the States. And I know one of them was actually your house among many other things. So talk to us about, you know, I, I think that's pretty rare and uncommon that and I love it I totally love it when somebody <laughs> leaves their home country kind of leave everything behind like if you go back you have to start from the ground up essentially yeah. you don't really have anything there waiting for you so talk to us about that why you made that decision and what that looks like for you and your family so we ended up selling our house before we moved and part of that was that we knew if we had a safety net, we could that we could come back to. We would. Um, both my husband and I have kind of learned things like that about ourselves over time, um, and it's why we choose to make the decisions that we do. Um, but we ended up selling our house before we moved to Spain. Part of that was to really make sure that we gave living abroad a full shot that we didn't just come. And the first time, you know, something really rough happens, we, we jump back into that comfort zone. Um, I'll be honest. Another part of that was capital. Um, We knew that selling our house would help us be a little bit more comfortable with how we were going to get started here. Um, And so it was, there were multiple reasons. Um, but I think one of the biggest deciding factors for us was knowing that not having that, not having a home to come back to, um, in the States meant that we really had to give this a full shot. We really had to put our all into trying. Um, so that was, that was a big, a big push for us to get it done. That's so cool. I love hearing that. I think um, I'm very similar. You know, I don't really have anything in Canada for me. You know, I never had a home, of course, but any of those ties, I don't really have them. And I think it does make it so much easier to really give whatever lifestyle you're going after a fair shot. Otherwise, you're right. It's so easy to just be like, you know what? It's waiting for me. It's there. I like Spain. Maybe I'll stay here for six months and then I can just go home. And I think it's very easy to fall into that trap. So I think it's very commendable that you and your family decided to literally sell your home. That is probably the biggest decision you could ever make aside from moving your family and your kids to a different country you've never been. Like so many unknowns. How did you deal with all of the unknowns of, I don't have a house. I don't have a car here. Um, my family all knows I'm leaving. I'm going to a new country I've never been to. My kids are going to a school and I've never seen it before. Like the whole, your whole life was an unknown. How did you deal with that? Um, uh, fear, a big smile. <laughs> um, I, I'm a, a big proponent of like, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And if it's not okay, then we'll figure it out. Um, I learned that from my, my mom and dad, like you, 
if it's not okay, then, then you'll keep working and, and it'll figure itself out. You'll be okay. Um, but my husband, I don't know. I don't know how much you follow this. My husband is an Enneagram five. He's a heavy researcher. When something is important to him, to us as a family, he will, I mean, no stone left unturned. And so I knew he had done all of the research. Um, and on top of that, I'm a super passionate Enneagram too. I'm very, um, empathetic and, and I have to take care of things. And so I knew that between the two of us, we would, we would figure it out. Um, and we had kind of formed our own little community with our family. Our kids are super close. They drive each other crazy naturally like siblings do. Um, but I knew that we, us moving abroad, if we didn't have anything else, we had each other and we would figure it out. Um, we ended up having to rent a car for, and we're still technically renting a car, um, because we didn't know until we got here that you can't purchase one. You can't just come and be like, I have cash. Here you go. Um, they want to see that you've had a Spanish bank account for a year. And so we've been renting a car and like things like that. We're like, it's just a car. We'll figure it out. If we have to rent a car from the airport, we'll rent a car from the airport. That's what we did for four or five months. Um, and, you know, you kind of, yeah, you learn on your feet. Um, both my husband and I are big proponents in on-the-job learning. And we've been doing that as parents anyway. <laughs> so we're very well-versed in figuring out as we go. Um, and so that, that's kind of how we approached things in Spain, we did as much research as we could so that we wouldn't be completely in the dark. And then it was just, all right, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, and, and we have. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Like, I totally agree. I love the motto, like everything is figure outable. I think that's Marie Forleo, but I really believe if you really want something enough, everything, everything is figure outable and you will make it work. Um, So before we go into chatting about business for you, one topic I really need to chat to you about is finances. So life in America, life in Spain, you had a family in both. What does the financial aspect of life look like in each country? And which one are you, which country do you prefer, quite honestly, in terms of finances and living a life with with three kids? You know, that that is pretty expensive. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, living in the States that, I mean, there are obviously huge differences in both places. Um, but living in the States, we were a one income household, um, for all intents and purposes. I was doing network marketing, which I really enjoyed for the community, but I wasn't really pulling much in, um, personally from that. It was more of a social thing for me. Um, and we were fine. Um, we were middle class, right, you know, middle of the road, um, no money safe for emergencies like a normal American family, um, and kind of figure it out as you go, really, if we had anything come up that was outside of our normal budget. Um, and we had this kind of very American ideal of, okay, We'll, we'll save up and 
every couple of years, we can go on a cool family vacation. Um, we'll tr- make big trips. We'll travel big when the kids are older and we can afford it. Um, and so that was a big proponent to us moving to Europe was that we were like, why would we wait until we're 60 to go see these places that we've never been, that we would want to show our kids before they're in their thirties. Um, why can't we do that now? Um, because in America, it's such a huge, you know, you travel when you retire, that's for retirement. That's for later. You can't do that now. And it was like, I want to enjoy that now. I want to take advantage of that now. Um, but we didn't have the financial opportunities to do that. Um, coming here, we, I mean, first of all, traveling around Europe, realizing that traveling around Europe is so much easier. Once you're here, it was like, really? We have friends that have visited us from the UK that um, their plane ticket was 20 pounds and they popped on over and they were here for a week and then popped on back for 20 pounds. And, you know, realizing that like for me to go back to America, it would cost us at least two grand just for plane tickets um, is atrocious. <laughs> um, but being able to be here and work here and our kids, you know, they're obviously the expenses are a little bit different. Um, our home expenses kind of level out. Um, our insurance is ridiculously cheap <laughs> um and 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 comprehensive um our now schooling would be about the same if we had chosen to continue public school it would be free um we're not choosing we you know we had not chosen that path um we're in the process of kind of transitioning out of that um private school education that is quite costly um but it's you know private school is costly kind of everywhere. Um, but things like groceries are very different. Um, telling people that are in the States that we take the kids out to dinner with us a couple of times a week. And they're like, Oh, that has to be super pricey because in the States it was really expensive to feed the five of us when we went out to eat and realizing that here it's the same or cheaper than it is for us to get groceries at the store. Um, for the same, you know, the same meal, um, it's actually cheaper for us to go out to eat and eat it. Um, so that's fun, especially because we're foodies. We like to go. We like to go try new foods all the time. Um, and our kids are pretty open to that, too. So there's I think it depends on how ex- the lifestyle that you're kind of trying to live. But the best part for us is that with the same sort of income structure, I feel like we're getting so much more here than we were in the States. Um, And also it doesn't feel like we're right on the edge of okay. In the States financially, we kind of always felt like we were teetering on the edge of okay, um, which I feel like a lot of middle-class families have, you know, you've got that American dream, two and a half kids, white picket fence, which we had. And, you know, then if something happened to our car, we were asking family for money if, you know, and, and that was with well-paying jobs that was, and now here 
we're, we feel, it feels safer. We feel like we, again, more breathing room um, in a different sense. Mm-hmm. So interesting. And I think that so many people don't realize, especially, you know, if you've traveled, I think when a lot of people travel from Canada or America and they go somewhere else, you still live a very expensive lifestyle for that one week or two weeks that you're on holiday. But when you actually go to live somewhere, it's so different. And that's why I love not living in Western countries. I mean, there's so much more culture and so much more to see, um, in my opinion, but also the prices and definitely the food, but the prices are so different for kind of getting the same thing, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat meat, yeah. so sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I love that you bring that up. And then one thing within that I need to touch on is healthcare. So I think yeah. healthcare is something that I'm sure you have this mentality before going to Spain, but it's always pricey. It's something that you have to build into your budget. I don't know how much you were paying in the States, but it was probably a lot. I don't know if it covered your whole family or just some of you or what that looks like, but how does that compare to whatever plan or healthcare that you now have in Spain? So um, realistically, when we were in the States, um, my husband's employer offered um before he started freelancing, my husband's employer offered insurance for all of us and insurance for all of us, um, for all five kids would have taken about 70% of his paycheck. And we couldn't do that. We couldn't, we couldn't afford that. Um, so we opted for him to not have insurance because he was a strong, healthy young man. And for me to not have insurance because I was a strong, healthy young woman. And for our kids to have insurance, they had insurance for a short period. Um, my husband started getting really, really sick before he ended up quitting um, his restaurant job. And um, we were concerned he was going to have to have gallbladder surgery. And so we were like, okay, next round, when you can sign up for insurance, you need insurance. And he started paying for that. And it cost us, I think, about $1,500 a month just for him to have insurance. Um, And it was atrocious. (laughs) It was atrocious. I didn't have insurance. The kids had basic state-level insurance for emergencies. But I didn't. except for my three pregnancies. Um, I didn't have insurance. I hadn't had health insurance from the time I was 21 until we moved to Spain. We moved to Spain and to apply for our visas, you have to prove that you have um, insurance in Spain. So we had to purchase um, private health insurance. And I called the number and I'm terrified. Okay, they're going to tell me that it's this giant amount because I'm used to you know, for all five of us, it's going to be this huge amount that we're going to have to pay. Um, and she said, okay, ma'am, that will be 3000. And I said, okay, uh, per month. So that's like, uh, it was a little more than 3000. And, and I said, okay, so per month, so that would be about 40,000 for the whole year. And she said, oh no, ma'am. And I said, okay, so per person. And she said, no. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, that's 3000 for the whole year for the whole family. And I spit out my drink. I was like, the, what? Are you serious? And that's, we've upgraded a little bit this year because, you know, we had to renew in January. And 
we're paying, I think, about $400 a month for all five of us. Um, and that's for all of our care, dental, everything. Um, and I don't have to think twice about it. Um, I will say one of the weirdest experiences I had um, was going to the doctor here in Spain and walking past the uh, the receptionist when I left. And she said, do you need another appointment? And I said, I don't think so. And she said, okay, have a good day. And I was like, you don't need my money? And she said, no. And I was like, what? You, there's no copay. You don't have to, you're not going to charge me. I'm not paying very much money for this. And she said, no, ma'am. And, she, and then she said, are you American? And I said, yes. And she goes, you're fine. You can go home. And I just, I got in the car and I think my eyes were as wide as saucers, like the entire walk back to the parking garage. I was like, this is unbelievable. Um, because the standard of being able to take care of yourself in the States is so, was so atrocious. Um, and having that here and just being able to know that if my kid has a cough, I can go to the doctor and I don't have to worry about, okay, is this really serious? Do they really, do they need antibiotics? Because I don't know if we can swing whatever the copay would be. Um, and knowing that just at the drop of a hat, we can go get everything taken care of. Wow. That is honestly like that brings tears to my eyes, that story, because you are probably just like, oh my gosh, like my family can be safe and have insurance and be protected. Um, Yeah, I've heard a few similar stories to that of Americans specifically. I mean, of course, going to other countries, Um, but even myself, you know, in Canada, we have free healthcare if you are a resident, which I am not, but if you are, you have free healthcare. But I know that that healthcare is probably the same price as the States. We just pay through it through taxes and other ways. Um, But, you know, healthcare is still very expensive if you are not a resident in Canada. And I'm sure similar to yourself, I've been to, I think we were in Albania. I've been to some other countries where I've needed medication and it's like 10 to 15 dollars for like antibiotics or the medication you need and even for me as a canadian because i know how expensive it really is my mind is just blown at the prices yeah yeah i had to uh i had to get you know when we got here i didn't bring all that stuff with me so i went to the pharmacy to stock up on what i call my mom medicine cabinet you know you got to have the the ibuprofen and Benadryl in case something bites them or that we have an allergic reaction, those kind of things. Right. And, um, I went to stock up and I was expecting because in the States that would cost me close to $200. And I went and I got this big bag of stuff and he said, that would be 30 euros. And I was like, for everything. And he said, yes, ma'am. And I was like, all right, here you go. And I was like, before he changes his mind, I'm going to get out of here because no way would I ever have paid for that. And, um, you know, it's funny, the interactions I've had at the pharmacy, like when they tell me, oh, this thing that you say you need is very expensive. I had to buy melatonin um, for my husband. And the pharmacist said, do you really need this? And I said, yes, he can't sleep. He has severe insomnia. He can't sleep. And he said, oh, it's very expensive. And I said, okay, how much? And she said, it's $11. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like that's 
Um, because I was so used to it, you know, 30, 40 in the States, everything is about four times more. Um, and so I'm sure they think I'm crazy. Um, because every time I go in there, I giggle because I'm, I'm shocked by another thing. So. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's just like mind blowing. So mind blowing. I I will never get tired of hearing those stories. So before we end off, I need to talk about business and you and your husband are both freelancers. You both have your own businesses. So what does that look like in terms of living and working in Spain? It's not like you're going into an office, but you are still making enough to support a rather large family. So what does that look like? How is that sustainable for the two of you in Spain? Um, so my husband kind of got the ball rolling when it came to freelancing. Um, and when he started his voiceover career and was doing really well with, he started out with audiobooks and then realized that he was great with commercials and, um, those sorts of quick, um, I'm going to say it all wrong. He's going to tell me like, you forgot the word. Um, but the, the quick commercials or, um, corporate sort of voiceovers for, um, e-learning and things like that. Right. And so he started, off on that kind of got us going financially with having a consistent income. Um, He was able to get a few clients that come to him kind of regularly for things. In addition to that freelance, more common freelancing life where everything is kind of, it just kind of comes at you um, randomly and you take it and run. Um, that's still kind of where I am, um, as a freelancer, as a freelance writer. Um, I have been doing blogs and website copy and, um, I now have some pretty high profile social media clients that I write all their captions for them and they do all of their, um, photography and stuff. And, you know, we, we meld together, but, um, I think again, we would not be able to be in the situation if we didn't have that mentality of we'll figure it out. It'll be okay. We'll figure it all out. Um, but also being really forward with money conversations. Um, the two of us are, are pretty on board with, okay, this is what we need, um, to make. This is, we've, we've got to get this if we're going to do this thing, um, on top of our regular, um, what am I thinking of on top of our regular budget? If we want to do this extra thing for, you know, signing the kids up for an extracurricular or something like that, um, then we need to make this much. And if we see that we're not getting that, then we're out kind of bidding for projects on, um, freelancing sites where you, you kind of have to be a little bit more gritty for them. Um, but both of us, Really, the best part has been being able to control our schedules um, and being able to kind of vibe off of each other. Um, while the kids are at school, um, we both set our own schedules. He'll come in and be like, I'm going to have some coffee and go work and he'll work for a couple hours. And then, hey, let's watch, you know, let's watch an episode of Hell's Kitchen or something together while the kids are at school. Um, but 
it's really a matter of being consistent with, we know what our goals are financially. We know what our goals are um, professionally and we know how to, we know how to hustle because we lived in the States Um, because we have that culture kind of in the back of our head. We know how to get where we need to go. Um, But we also know that again, we'll figure it out. Um, Our kids love it. (laughs) I'll say, Um, but they also have seen the benefit of, you know, sometimes mommy and daddy have to work on the weekends. And so they see us, me typing stuff up. They, they have gone in and listened while my husband records stuff. They have to be super quiet. Um, and, and they think it's really cool, but I think that's an added benefit for us as a family is that I remember having no idea what my friend's parents did because they went to an office and they came home and you have no idea what happens there. And my kids know exactly what we do and how long it takes. And um, I think it's, it's been beneficial to see for them to see whatever you're passionate about, you can do that anywhere. Yeah, I love that. I think that's also such a great message that you are sending to your kids and probably also building mini entrepreneurs as well, which I absolutely love. So to wrap up this (laughs) Yeah. To wrap up the episode, I like to ask the question, which is what is one thing that you know now that you wish you would have known at the beginning of your journey? Oh, wow. Um, Oh, that's so loaded. (laughs) Um, Probably that um, the biggest thing would probably be about my kids. Um, I was so afraid of, of misstepping. And I think the best thing that I've learned so far is that the kids are malleable. And as long as there's love and support, they're going to be okay. Um, they need to see you make mistakes. They need to see you make bold choices, um, which we have, and they've seen that firsthand. Um, they need to see you mess up so they know how to safely mess up. Um, but I was afraid of showing them all those things before. And I feel like this, this move has kind of brought it out in the open in the best way. Um, they've been able to see what that looks like. Um, and it's made me a better mom. It's made my husband a better dad. Um, and it's made us better partners, really. Um, to be more transparent with not everything's going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. We're not going to make the best decisions um, every time, but we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your whole life and everything that you've shared (laughs) on this episode. I love it all. So where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I am the most at um, the Angela Piper or at, at Modern Moxie Media. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Just look up Angela Piper. Um, and uh, always, always um, AngelaPiper.com. If this episode has served you in any way, I would love it if you shared what you've learned or a part of the episode that you loved by tagging me on Instagram at nomadneeks. 
If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that I can continue to bring you educational content, learn and grow together. Thank you for your support and see you in the next episode of the Work, Wealth and Travel podcast.